This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 154. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, I'm just back from Las Vegas where I attended the nightclub and bar show. Had a great time there. Met a lot of interesting people. Had a drink or two. Uh, well, let's start off. Where we'll go through a bunch of people that we met and uh, recorded with. We'll start with Jesse Greenleaf. He works at the world-famous Duke's Bar on Oahu in Hawaii. He gave a great talk at the. He gave a great seminar at the nightclub and bar show about the aloha attitude and mahalo mentality behind the bar. I talked with Jesse after his seminar. He brought up a lot of great points, like for instance, uh, you're hosting a party. You know, you're not going to work. You're hosting a party. I, I really right. like that idea. Yeah, it's a, it's a really something that I, I tell myself if ever I've gotten to a point where I feel like, oh man, this is shift number three, in a row. I immediately tell myself, you better make this party better than last night's. Because whoever was there the night before is going to remember how great it was. And if it's not as great the next night, it's going to, it's going to, it's, you'll see the man behind the curtain. So you want to, I always tell myself that tonight's going to be even better than, than last night. Uh, well, you put a lot of pressure on yourself there. Well, yeah, but at the same time, too, it keeps me, it keeps me sharp. It keeps me focused. It makes me want to remember those names even more. You know, because then the person that's just coming in that night for the first time sees you calling eight people by name. And they say, well, how long have you known Jesse? And they say, we met him two days ago. They're just, wow, what? You know, so that, I mean, that's, it's one of those things that just in itself, it just kind of keeps getting better and keeps making the experience better for the guests. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is so, like, you can't overstate the power of knowing everybody's name behind the bar. It's, it's just, it's just great. Yeah. I, I, I went to a, I went to an Irish pub once and, uh, I went back like five months later, and I got to remember my name. I was blown away. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing too. I mean, if and if, if, if it's one thing to do it two or three times in a week, yeah. it's another thing when you remember that person's name a year later or two years later. Yeah. And Amy, my partner, and I have both made that one of those things that we just were known for. People say, "God." She remembered me. I was here five years ago, and she remembered me. And she asked how my kid was doing. I mean, those little things. It. It creates such a unique experience for people, and it immediately brings them in, and it immediately makes your bar or restaurant the place that they go to every time they're in your town. Not necessarily what's on the menu, not necessarily how cheap the food is, or what the, but the, that personal connection overrides everything else. So, any tricks on remembering names? No, well, like I said, well, I do word association. I repeat it three times in my head. I'll say it out loud. If I go back to the register, I'll say Bob and Mary, Bob and Mary, Bob and Mary. And then I type it in and then I go back and, uh, you know, if they're sitting there, I'll introduce them to my bar back. Bob, Mary, this is, this is Mikey. Mikey, this is Bob and Mary. And then you've said their name four times and it's all natural. It doesn't seem like you're trying to memorize a name. And then typing it into your computer screen, your POS system, that works really well too. So you go pull up the names and it really ticks off my waitresses when they come up and they say, hey, I, I need a, trans- a tad transferred uh, last name Johnson. And I look at them and I say, I don't know anyone's last names. I've, I've actually wiped the last name off and just put their first name in. And they look at me like, oh, I have to go back and ask them what their first name is. I'm like, well, yeah, go back there and introduce yourself and find out if it's if I have their tab or someone else does. It's also a great thing. And, you know, I've heard of other people talk about this before, but it's a great thing to introduce your guests to each other. That's an awesome, awesome, powerful thing. Too. Yeah, it immediately creates, uh, you know, uh, uh, a connection of, of a group. It makes you part of a group. It takes that guest who's just walked in by themselves, whether they're, 
you know, on their first trip without their husband who just passed away or their first trip, uh, you know, on their own uh, after, you know, wherever they're from or their only trip they're ever going to take to your location. Some people, people don't go back and forth to Hawaii as often as you'd think. A lot of people come for one time and one time only. And if you make that impact in that one trip, I mean, that, that seals the deal. That, that leaves a mark on their memories that last a lifetime. Introducing your guests to each other is such a great thing to do, and uh, we talked about it there in, in our interview. But during the seminar, Jesse said a really cool thing. He said, uh, you're, you're hosting a party. At a party, not all the guests are going to know everybody at first, so uh, it's up to the host to introduce everybody to each other. So again, on the subject of guests who come into your bar uh, by themselves, you mentioned uh, somebody who comes in by themselves, and I think I think it's especially important to pay attention to that person who comes in by themselves. I go into a lot of cocktail bars by myself just because you know yeah. I'm interested. You know, I'm interested or whatever. And uh, I went into one in particular, like a famous cocktail bar in Manhattan that I won't mention the name of, right. and th- by myself, and they like kind of didn't pay much attention to me, and I was really disappointed with that. It's I can weird. imagine. I can only imagine. I yeah. And that's uh, that's what I referred to at the beginning of, this, of the of the seminar is that it, it is it has become more about look at this craft cocktail that I'm making yeah. and you're going to pay twenty dollars for it because I told you to, and less about hey, what's your name, what brought you into here, how can I get you to come back besides just what's on the menu, you know, and how can I make you feel comfortable while you're here? That's those aren't really focal points for a lot of people anymore. And it's I like it's taking a turn though, because yeah. you know it seems like we're getting got over the hump of that you know crazy yeah. you know I'm I'm the bartender and I know way more than you do and you yeah know, you're, yeah <laughs> well that plus the fact that I mean you can pull up any website or go to any you can pull up you can you can basically learn I mean anybody can learn how to make a drink really it's not like we're magicians up there but to be able to make a lot of drinks to be able to con- 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 keep your composure and to be able to maintain a positive environment for your guests that in itself is an art form that i think it needs to be refocused on again oh definitely yeah and you can tell like or at least i you know we in the industry i don't know if it's apparent to everybody but you can tell somebody who's comfortable behind the bar and somebody who's not you know at one of the events last night a party you know it was a long line there free drinks you know so it was a long line i could tell from 30 feet away this guy's not a bartender (laughs) right right they call those pretenders yeah well man that's that's a great gig working at duke's in honolulu man that's awesome 20 years 20 years so far and we'll see how much longer they'll keep me (laughs) it's a great place and you wrote a book yeah it's it's called the cocktail handbook uh our our publishers put the cool drinks from hawaii's hottest bartenders underneath it uh, that wasn't necessarily this is necessarily our first uh, go-to title, but that's what it came out with, and it's a collection of recipes that my my girlfriend and I have uh, put together, and collected from some of our other uh, favorite bartenders in town. So yeah. So and and you work together, huh? Yeah, we've worked together for over 25 years, actually. 20 year I've been there for 20 years. She's been there for 17. Prior to that, we both worked together at Studebaker's. We opened up a Planet Hollywood together. Um, yeah. We went to college together, went to high school together. We've been friends and each other's confidants for, for most of our lives and only became a couple in the last 10 years. We wrote a book, and we have a 7-year-old little boy. You're living a life, dude. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it was a pleasure to meet really you. Really nice to meet you as well. Jesse's a good man, and uh, it's a good book. You know, we always do a book of the week every week, so let's make it Jesse's book, The Cocktail Handbook, Cool Drinks from Hawaii's Hottest Bartenders. And 
you go over to bartenderjourney.net and find the posting that goes along with this episode, number 154, you'll see a link to it, uh, an Amazon link. Anytime you go over to bartenderjourney.net and click on an Amazon link to do some shopping, you uh, help out the show a little bit, and uh, I'd appreciate it. It doesn't cost you any extra, and uh, whether you buy that book or something else, or you buy that book and something else, any anything you do in that in that uh, section, you know, that session as you as you click through from bartenderjourney.net to Amazon uh, helps out the show a little, and like I said, it doesn't cost you any extra. So back to Jesse's talk at the nightclub and bar show. I really like how focused he is on remembering his guests' names. And uh, just just to repeat the tricks that it, or his tricks for doing that because I think it's really important. Uh, repeat the name three times in your head. Introduce the guest to somebody else, like your bar back or another guest, and make sure to enter the first names into the POS. And uh, you know, if it's a couple, enter both names. Jesse also talked during the seminar about using the power of suggestion. So, for instance, if you take their credit card, uh, nod your head and say, keep it open, Jerry. Uh, don't say, close it out, because uh, they probably will if you, say, if you say that. Using the power of suggestion uh, when off- offering another round is great, too. His example was if Jerry was drinking Corona, pull another Corona out of the ice and nod your head and say, another Corona, Jerry? Jesse's a big proponent of shaking hands with his guests, which is a great thing also, uh, which I, I should do more often myself. But uh, while I was in Vegas there, I went to a great bar called Herbs and Rye. I walked into that bar. It was the first time I'd ever been in that bar. And the guy from, the guy comes, the bartender comes over, went out of his way to come over, look me in the eye, and shake my hand as if we were long-lost friends that hadn't seen each other in 10 years. It was just such a great uh, welcome and, and a handshake, and uh, I was super impressed with that and uh, super impressed with that bar. And by the way, the owner of Herbs and Rye, Nick Tolly Mendoza won Nightclub and Bar Show's 2016 Bartender of the Year. How about that? I ran into Nick Tolly at uh, Tales of the Cocktail last year, 2015. He was uh, competing in a competition. How are you, brother? Hello, how are you? I am living the dream, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> taking the dice, throwing on the seaweed lands today. All right. How about you? Good, good. You want to tell us about your cocktail? Absolutely. I have a little bit of uh, Mandarin Napoleon. I have tequila ocho. Boron blood orange puree, a um, little bit of uh, bar syrup. We're garnishing it with a tahini rim and uh, chicharron garnish. So that was the Tales of the Cocktail 2015 and Tales of the Cocktail 2016. It'll be coming up before you know it. Uh, I hope you're going to make plans to go this year if you haven't been before or or if you have. And uh, I'm going to be recording uh, with Philip Duff, Director of Education for Tales of the Cocktail, coming up, uh, well, tomorrow as I record this. And uh, that'll be coming up on an episode a week or two from now. And we're going to talk all about the 2016 Tales of the Cocktail seminar. So we'll have a preview of Tales 2016 coming up for you soon. But today we're talking about the Nightclub and Bar Show 2016. So uh, I ran into my good friend Jason Griffin, who uh, I first met at Tales at Nightclub and Bar Show uh, three years ago, last time I was there. And he's the inventor of the Quick Strain Tin. And we had a nice conversation. Always good to see you. Always a pleasure. Same here, man. Yeah. So so you're still going strong with, with your tin. Yes. Still focused on the product, making sure it becomes better and better. Yeah. Uh, we have a new little thing about it. We have... Yeah, a little tweak. We have a little smaller section on one side and a larger on the other one. So the larger side pours like a beast in the smallest section more. Well, well, just explain what it is for people oh, that okay. don't know. It's the bar tin with the strainer built in. Yeah. And so basically there are holes on the side of the tin so you can shake, then open up the holes and strain out. So you uh, don't need the separate piece. You don't need the strainer. You don't need that Hawthorne strainer. You don't need the Hawthorne strainer. You don't, yeah, you definitely don't need a strainer. But you can use it with it as well. We wanted to make sure we care about all the products in the industry. We love the industry. So, yes, you can use it with it, you know. Right. So that's an important part of our, our um, 
heritage, I would say. Yeah, I would say. I would say it's our heritage. It becomes a part of it. It's been there forever, you know? I, I think you told me uh, last time we met about how you came up with this idea. You worked in, like, a high-volume nightclub, right? Yeah, definitely. I had two tins, um, one smaller one, obviously, and a, and a larger normal tin that you see. They fit together really well, and all of a sudden it came to me, like, why not make sure I put some holes right here? And from then I said, okay, I'll start the, the patent process, which I did from then on, and I also got a domain name. And, yeah, from then on, yeah, just went with it. And now we sell pretty well, and uh, we also kind of keep it close to the vest for the new things that we're coming out with sometime soon. Oh, oh, a little teaser there, maybe yeah, coming out with something things. new. Yeah, we have some good things coming out. You're the guy with the coolest haircut in the entire show, dude. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> you see really well. Yeah, no. <laughs> good to see you, good. Buddy, man. So totally. Good to see you, man. You too. So we were having a good time there. I don't know if we did a good job explaining what Jason's product is. It's the Quick Strain Tins, and uh, it's got it's a tin, mixing tin with holes in the side, so you can uh, strain without using a separate strainer, which uh, speeds you up. And uh, it's cool. I got one on my bar, and I use it. So you can check it out at quickstrain.com. And I'll have a picture and a link on bartenderjourney.net on the posting that goes along with this show. Hey, do you free pour or use jiggers? Or maybe you have pours with some sort of measuring system built in? hate those uh well uh nick Houck gave a, gave a great talk he's a bartender out in vegas at the area hotel and he gave a talk about free pouring and he and i talked after his seminar and this is what he had to say about jiggers we're evolving and and for some reason uh bartending decided to go back to the 1800s and and use some tool a hundred year old tool yeah. when in all reality you know, with the right practice and the right skill, I, I'm just as accurate free point as I can with a jigger. At least as accurate, right? At, at least as accurate. <laughs> Especially counting the spilling, you know, and, and it is so easy to overpour using a jigger or underpour using a jigger. Just this as easy as it is free point. And they tell you you're supposed to have that little meniscus, the meniscus. on the top. So I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> no, not, not in a dark bar, in a hurry, when you're three deep at the bar and you're trying to get drinks out. Just for anybody who doesn't know, a meniscus is uh, actually, it, when you use a jigger, you're supposed to put enough in there that there's a little bit of a, a bubble, not a bubble on top, but it, it actually, the liquid goes a tiny bit above the uh, lip of the jigger in a, in a sort of bubble shape. It's hard to do. And that was, that was a great point that, I mean, I guess subconsciously I thought of before, but I, I never put it in words before. It, it turns you into a one-handed bartender. One-handed bartender. And, and when I started bartending, the first thing was you need to use both your hands, you need to use your feet, you need to use your mouth, or whatever it takes, all the tools behind you. It's wild that the the added tool a jigger is an added tool that takes two tools away from you. It takes your hand away from you. You know. Yeah. yeah. Imagine making a Long Island iced tea with a jigger. Come on. No, no, that's insane. (laughs) The girl was talking about that that at the strip club she works at. The girls are are using doing Long Islands, so she's doing like rum and tequila into, into the same jigger. And even with that analogy, there's no way that you're guaranteeing that a half ounce of each rum and tequila is getting in the jigger in the first place. I mean, it's just, it's a total fake cost control, and you really just give someone an obstacle that, that they don't need around the bar. You mentioned Sean Kenyon. and uh, I love gave, that guy. He, I love that guy. He's awesome. He, he gave a seminar at, um, at Tales, Tales of the Cocktail, and he said, you know, when I was first bartending, we only used jiggers when we got in trouble. <laughs> that, dude, exactly. That should be punishment. That should be a punishment. You have to use a jigger tonight. That, that, that is a punishment. Yeah, that's funny. But the, the guests ate it, too. Exactly. Why, why do you want to turn off the guests, turn off, turn off the bartender, yeah. just because you, you, you think you might save a quarter ounce on that bottle? Yeah. You know? Yeah. When, 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 again, if you just spend the time to train your bartenders, yeah. you know? And that's where owner, I guess sometimes owners don't know how to bartend. They're just lucky enough to own a bar. They're not all San Kenyans where you actually, you know, 
And if that's the case, you need to bring someone in to, to train your bartenders. It's, it's not that hard, you know. And like you said, like at, at Fridays, you have to do well, a floor test every every day. Every day. Which makes a lot of sense. I, I think it does. And then one guy brought that up. Well, what about after that? And then again, I go back to If you got a bartender that's overpouring, you got a shitty bartender. Yeah. That's all there's to it. And you brought up uh, trust, and I thought that was really important. You know, you say you got to trust your bartender. And, and you have to trust your owner. You, you have to think that they have your back as well you have their back. Totally. You know, you're in, a, you're in a contract. You're working in a guy's place. You got to treat the bar like it's like it's your bar that you wouldn't want to give things away. You you, you want to make money, and, and again, it, that might be controversial saying to the bartenders. If you got bartenders overpouring, you got a thief working behind the bar. That's all there's to it, and and you got to get rid of them. Yep, you know, talk about trust between bartender trust. And, and manager or owner. Trust each other. Kind of off subject, but one time I I cut a guy off, and he went to complain to the manager, and now and then so the manager comes back and says. He could have, he could have beer, but no more. You know, no, see, I was like, "Are you?" He just undermined you. you. He just completely me? undermined you. Yeah, no. I, I was right? like, I, I was ready to walk out. Like, I couldn't, I could not believe he did that to me. No, it's not. No, that, that's not right. So Nick invented a uh, a cool product called Flash Pour, and there are pours that go in your bottle, and they. It's free pouring, but there's just a little flash every quarter ounce. So uh, the bar owners like it because they can tell how much the bartender's pouring. And uh, bartenders like it because it's like free pouring and it's very good for training and it's good to use day to day. So uh, that's Flash Pour, uh, flashpour.com. And uh, I'll have a link for that as well up on bartenderjourney.net. So during the show, Jeffrey Morgenthaler gave a talk called Technique Driven Cocktails. And you know what a big fan I am of Jeff and, and his book, The Bar Book. Uh, he was our guest on Bartender Journey show number 113 but uh, the point of this seminar was to question everything uh, there's a lot of misinformation that gets passed down from bartender to bartender so I guess the the lesson here is to kind of like question everything and that's what I always kind of like teach my bartenders and what I like to teach people when I get up in, in front of a crowd and, and talk to them about this stuff is to question everything question me well, maybe not me, like, because I'm you know, perfect, but, like, you know, I mean, other people, for sure. Um, That's Morgenthaler for you. Well, he had a good idea. He, uh, he talked about when you have questions, go to the kitchen and see what they know. They don't seem to have a lot of this sort of pseudoscience in the kitchen, you know? And I, I don't know why. I think it's because they actually, like, go to school and have training. But cocktails, it's just, like, lawless out there, you know? And, and I wish that I had thought to talk to the kitchen more when I was just starting to get into the world of cocktails. You've heard this one before, right? That if you roll a lemon on the bar, it'll give you more juice, or uh, a room temperature lemon will give you more juice. I always assumed it was true. You have to do this, right? You have to roll the lemons on the cutting board. Otherwise, you won't get as much uh, juice, right? Uh, I mean, has everybody, everybody's heard this, right? Yep. Yes, okay. <laughs> and, and you'll read it in The Joy of Cooking. You'll read it in America's Test Kitchen. You'll read it everywhere. Every single cookbook says, you know, you've got to roll your lemons. And and when I was writing the book, I sat there in front of the computer, and I was about to write that. I was about to say, in the chapter in Citrus, if you want to get the most amount of juice out of the lemons, be sure to roll them. And I sat there, I stared at the screen, and I thought, you know, if I'm going to write this, I need to make absolutely 100% sure that it's true. So I went on, and I did a little experiment. And I combined it with uh, another thing that you hear all the time, is that uh, room temperature citrus will yield more uh, juice than refrigerated uh, citrus. So I divided 40 lemons into four groups, refrigerated and rolled, refrigerated and not rolled, room temperature and rolled, room temperature and not rolled. And I squeezed them. So we had, uh, no, I guess it was 60 lemons. We had 15 lemons each. And I tried to divide them up so that they were kind of equal weights, um, though I was going to take a percentage. And if you look at group one, 
which is refrigerated unrolled lemons, it actually yields more juice, slightly more juice per lemon than any of the other methods. Crazy, right? Well, he, you know, he even said like, I only did this experiment once. So, uh, you know, question me, actually do question me. He said, uh, you know, do, do it yourself. But his experiment was very uh, scientific. You know, he weighed the lemons, made sure he had the same amount, and uh, did, did a pretty uh, controlled experiment, as they would say in the scientific world. You can read all about it in his book, The Bar Book. I, I recommend this book all the time, and uh, I highly suggest you pick up a copy. I'll, I'll put a link up to that, and Amazon link on bartenderjourney.net as well. You know, I've talked about it many times on the show, but I'm uh, always very curious to know about the best way to incorporate egg whites into your cocktail. So uh, there was a few minutes left for question and answers after the, after the seminar, and I asked Jeff about that. There's sort of two schools of thoughts on egg whites. One is the old school school of thought that uh, a little dollop of egg white will make the drink sort of have a creamier, rounder mouthfeel. And then there's the sort of newer school of thought, which is we need to get like a three-inch head on every cocktail that has egg whites mm-hmm. um we like to shoot somewhere kind of like in between okay um because i think the guest is kind of expecting a little bit bit of head mm-hmm. but i think it's ridiculous when you get a whiskey sour and it's just got like this beer foam head on it you know and you're like i don't even know how to drink yeah, this yeah. like it's just yeah so we use a, a immersion blender to froth the egg whites at the bar and then just shake it from there we don't dry shake or anything like that it's it takes too much time so immersion immersion shaker with, with just the egg white and then and, and, and the, rest the rest of the drink. So we built the, the drink okay. in the tin with the, and then we've just got you know what immersion blender is, right? One of those little things yeah. makes soup with it, and we just go, mm-hmm. and then it's done, and then All we right. just shake it, you know. Cool. But we don't do like we don't put in like two ounces of egg white and try to get like a giant weird head on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know. It's like pudding at that point. Like I don't want that. Yeah, totally. yeah it smells like egg white. Everybody like everybody's like sort of has an aversion <laughs> to that smell too. Yeah. That kind of metallic like aluminum smell. So some people tell you to squeeze. It. Always oh, squeeze a, a express some lemon oil on top of an egg white cocktail. It gets rid of that smell. Yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. pseudoscience, maybe. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, well, no, that's not pseudoscience. I mean, that's that's literally putting lemon oil on top of a drink so that it smells like lemon. Yeah, it's pretty. That's pretty cut and dry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. I ran into our friend Warren Bobro at the show. You have your traveling companion Klaus on the table. Klaus is here. Klaus is the gnome, and he's here. Yeah. And uh, well, we're going to get you back on the show soon to talk about your new book, but. Today we're here talking about Maison Rum. Oh, we love Maison Rum. On this floor here at the uh, Las Vegas Convention Center for the nightclub and bar show, I walked around the floor and I saw the other rums. And there's some venerable rums here, but none of them are doing anything like we are at Maison, where we're not chill filtering, we're not adding caramel, we're not adding any added sugar, and we're not... What else do we not do? No glycerin. Oh, okay. And people do glycerin. Because they the, want it, it adds viscosity and mouthfeel. We don't do that. Oh, I hadn't heard of that. But I did know that rum is allowed to add sugar can, and caramel yeah, after. Yeah, they can do and scotch whiskey, too, and, and yeah. even bourbon. I mean, well, maybe not bourbon, because this, but whiskey, whiskey. You know, anything less than two years, yeah. they can do anything, too. Yeah. Just look at Fireball. Oh. No, I'd rather not. <laughs> Awful stuff. So the rums are sourced from uh, all... They're from individual distilleries around the Caribbean. The first one we have is the XO. For extra old, a blend of four years to 23 years of age. Uh, it's from the Long Pond Distillery in Jamaica, and they use something called a dunder. A dunder is a wild yeast that's buried in the ground for a period of time, six months to a year. They dig it up. It goes into the little sight glasses and, you know, different chambers in the, dis- in the uh, pot still. 
and then they, uh, instead of using a bread yeast, they're using this wild yeast called a dunder. It's very exciting because it has a funk to it. Oh, they fun. They call it Jamaican funk. Yeah, apparently the strain of yeast makes a big difference. It when really does. Yeast is everything, and this is everything in bread. I mean, you look at great sourdough bread. Sourdough bread is only good, as good as the yeast that goes into it. Our, old, our youngest rum is actually the Panama. I can't tell you where it's from because we have a confidentiality agreement in place with the distillery because they come out with a rum that's, quite frankly, not as good as this and is caramel colored and is added sugar, whereas we don't do any of that. We buy the casks directly from the distillery and then age it according to the needs of our cellar master. So it's aged there in, in Panama? It's aged in Panama, and then it's re-aged in England for a period of two years because the angel share is much less in a colder ambient environment. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, cool. That cocktail is delicious. Tan- delicious. Tangerine and which, which rum? It's the tangerine juice from uh, Fruitations in uh, Lynn, Massachusetts. Allison Goldberg's company. I have to connect her, you to her. She's fabulous. Okay. And so I use the tangerine juice syrup with the Jamaican XO and a little bit of Peixot's Whiskey Barrel Bitters. It's fantastic stuff. So. Yeah, it was really good. Delicious. Refreshing and uh, feels good for you. It is good for you. It's, and here's to what ails you, of course. Yeah. So we'll be getting Warren back on the show pretty soon to talk about his new book that comes out June 1st, 2016, called, Would You Believe? Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails, and Tonics, The Art of Spirited Drinks and Buzzworthy Libations. You could pre-order that on Amazon. It's getting about time to have a little something. I've got a bottle of I've got a bottle of the Mazan here, extra old rum, XO Jamaica, and uh, that's it's a nice bottle of rum. It's uh, pretty light in color for for rum. Uh, as Warren said, they don't they don't uh, add any caramel color or flavor to it, uh, and it's got it's nice. Uh, I've been trying to build up the tastings page on uh, on my website on bartenderjourney.net, so uh, I'll add a little some tasting notes on that page about the Mazan extra rolled exo jamaica rum oh i guess we should do a cocktail of the week too uh, you know what we'll skip it this week there's so much to talk about with the nightclub and bar show so uh we're gonna have to skip that this week but we'll get back to it next time at its regularly scheduled time <laughs> So out in Vegas, I did meet up with Chris and Julia of the Mixology Talk podcast, and we had just a great old time. We had uh, talked a lot over uh, the internet, and uh, we had each been guests on each other's podcasts, And uh, but we finally met in person, and uh, that, that was great. They, they uh, introduced me to Melissa Davis-Taylor, who was presenting a seminar called Detoxing Your Cocktails. So I started trying to blend cocktails and this healthier drinking idea together and came up with this idea of clean cocktails. So we went through and couple different parts of the seminar. We talked about juicing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how to juice, equipment for juicing, the difference between juicing and blending. Um, gave some examples about what's going on out there in the world about using juice in cocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, then we talked about tea. Gotta have tea because as we were going around mm-hmm. looking for menus and looking at restaurants that had juice in their cocktails, we started seeing tea. Not just green tea, black tea, you know, all different kinds of teas are out there popping up on menus, not just in Asian-themed restaurants either. It's so, an interesting way to, to import flavors I, I really haven't messed with it too much but like i, I was thinking um a hibiscus tea would be a good way to you know that would be a good thing to use for the cocktail yep we actually ended up talking about that in the seminar it was one of the questions um just really good to infuse with yeah. so that's a way to use it um i also like lapsang so if you think about something like um scotch or like mezcal very smoky lapsang is the same for tea it's a very smoky earthy tea so you can start imparting 
all different kinds of flavors. Chai tea might be interesting too. Chai tea, yep. It's a type of black tea. You absolutely can. And you're seeing everything. Earl Grey, English breakfast. You're seeing all sorts of teas on menus. Um, So we talked a little bit about that and the types of teas and some examples about what's out there. And that tea is way beyond Asian-themed cocktails um, at this point. And then gave folks a little bit of what to look forward to. So nut milks and turmeric um, and aquafaba, so chickpea brine. Um, Just depending on, you know, if someone's lactose intolerant or if they're vegan or just opposed to egg in their drink um, or kind of turmeric supposed to be the spice of 2016. So where that might go, it's in the ginger family. And then at the very end, we did something I called back to basics. So the front half was very heavy on craft cocktails. So this idea, you know, kind of higher end bars, you know, trends tend to start on the left coast or the right coast, or they start at like the really high end bars and trickle down. But I wanted to detox some cocktails that are on pretty much everybody's menu. So we detoxed a Bloody Mary. We detoxed a margarita. We detoxed Ow. a Moscow meal. <laughs> well, I wish we'd been able to like serve and show people stuff. But um, you know, thinking about a Bloody Mary, you can juice a lot of those things. Um, you know, juicing tomatoes, your lemons, your olives, and then adding in your salt, like your Himalayan sea salt instead of your regular table salt. You know, adding in your pepper, but then also using fresh horseradish because jarred tends to have high fructose corn syrup so to make a clean did not know that yeah a lot of them do so you really got to look at your ingredients the same with Worcestershire sauce a lot of them well one they have anchovies so if you're vegan it's kind of like a no-no but if you do it it tends to have high fructose corn syrup so start looking at your soy sauces your low sodium soy sauce to see what the ingredients ingredients are in those because they can be a substitute so you know we talked about Bloody Mary's a little bit and then you make your homemade mix you take your vodka and then you garnish with Pretty much anything but the kitchen sink except for like a mini slider because that's counter to sort of clean. Bacon. Yeah, or bacon. I mean, I love bacon, but um, we talked about margaritas. So this idea of um, making like a matcha margarita. So matcha is a um, Japanese green tea that's used in traditional tea ceremonies. So I tend to use, there are two grades, at least two grades. So ceremonial grade, matcha tea, and then culinary grade. And I tend to use culinary grade just because we're mixing. So I use mezcal. And my margarita for smokiness and matcha tends to have a very earthy characteristic. So they go together really well. Mm -hmm. When are you going to make me one of those? Hey, as soon as we can get a bar around here. (laughs) And then you add your regular ingredients, um, your orange liqueur, your sweetener. Um, But what you can also do is do a little sidecar or add it yourself of cucumber and jalapeno water. So you juice a cucumber, juice a jalapeno. You got to get your ratio depending on how spicy, you know, where you're getting your jalapenos from. But you can add it, you know, as a bartender, add it yourself to give it a kick of spice. You've got your earth, you've got your smoke. So now you want to add a little spice or you can serve it with a sidecar. So folks can spice their own. Or if you've got an ice program, you can sort of maybe freeze one cube um, that's got this cucumber jalapeno water. So it sort of dilutes on its own. It makes the drink a little bit spicier as you go. That's fun. So that was just, you know, giving folks some examples. We did a Moscow Mule. So instead of ginger beer, using ginger kombucha, you can save on, I know. (laughs) So kombucha. It's sort of a tea. It's sort of like a cousin to tea. Some people call it a mushroom tea, but it has nothing to do with mushrooms. But it is um, good for your gut. So good for digestion. It's got probiotics. So think about yogurt, eating bad stuff in your stomach. Kombucha does the same thing. And they actually have flavored kombucha. So there is a ginger-flavored kombucha. There are quite a few of them, actually. Um, And for a whole bottle of kombucha, maybe it's two servings, 30 calories a serving, so 60 calories. Your ginger beer bottles are easily double that with a ton more sugar. So it's a great way. um, You can do your substitution if you need a little bit of bubbles. Just add some soda water. Not a lot. You don't want to change the type of drink, but if you need a little bit of pop and effervescence, 
You can make it really simple like that. And then last one we talked about was a gin gimlet. The main difference here was using celery water as also. So celery's got a slightly salty characteristic to it, if you think about it, which is really good with gin. Um, it's got a lot of water, vitamin K, fiber, just generally good for you, easy to make, and then a little bit of dill on top for aromatics. So just, you know, trying to think about some simple ways to take things that might actually be on people's menus so you don't have to go out and like have a mixologist behind the bar. You can actually have someone that's just like, hey, I make basic drinks, but you can actually detox those as well. So yeah, that in a nutshell is what we talked about for 45 minutes. All right, cool. Well, yeah, I think it's a great trend that, you know, we're seeing healthier stuff going into cocktails. And I think people really want to see that, you know, and uh, designing a cocktail menu recently, I, I try to keep that in mind, you know, for at least, you know, at least two drinks on the menu, I think should, should you, you know. What, what about sweeteners? I mean, you know, is, is honey really better for us than yeah. sugar, you know, simple syrup or... So I would probably say everything in moderation, just like you would on the alcohol side. So whether it's simple syrup, agave, honey, um, I actually like to take raw honey mixed with water on the stove and kind of make your own simple syrup out of it because um, raw honey has some good properties for you as well. But as long as you're not using I mean, it's it's hard. You can't cut out everything that's bad for you. For heaven's sakes, we're drinking alcohol. Um, yeah. But just use it, you know, use it in moderation. And you can, you can honestly, I hate to say it, you can use simple syrup if you have to. You have to be practical. So speed of service costing you know all those kind of things i would rather see some like like a bar using simple syrup to save a little bit of money if they're going to be using kale in their drink or using um beets in their cocktail so you know to me i understand the trade-offs cost is a consideration as well yes, absolutely so and your website is liquorlady.com right yep just assemble liquorlady.com actually if you missed the seminar since you had other places to be no 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 all the slides are up on the website so you can pull down all the slides um and I think it's a really interesting, I was walking the trade show floor yesterday and it was really encouraging. I saw everybody talking about organic products, you know, non-GMO, dairy-free. Like, I mean, this was on some people's banners for their products. And I was like, wow, I think we might have hit, we're starting to hit sort of the right time with this idea about clean cocktails and kind of just being more purposeful about what goes into our cocktails. But I agree with you. And I told the folks that came, do not feel like you have to go rip up your cocktail menu that's working just fine and put out a clean menu. We're not there yet. Like one cocktail or a tweak to a cocktail or just simply adding an ingredient like turmeric um, and calling it out on a menu like in your descriptor. So a guest that is like, wow, okay, I know what that is. I love it. I want to order this. And then a guest that's not really into this, they don't think anything of it. They're like, it's a great tasting cocktail. Fantastic. So, I mean, I, I agree with you kind of that one, two cocktails, trying out some things, doing maybe, um, you know, a quick two hour promotion around a clean cocktail. You know, they're, they're really easy ways to start and get started. So nice to meet you. We hung out the other night and had a great time. It was awesome to meet you. Yes, we must do it again sometime before next year. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it was an absolute pleasure to meet you, um, you know, getting to see a little bit of Vegas with, with you and the crew. So, yeah. so thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks. So remember, Melissa's website is liquorlady.com and uh, Chris and Julia Tunstall from Mixology Talk Podcast. It was so great to meet you guys. And everybody, I hope you'll sign up for their Craft Bartender Summit. It's an online free event that's going on in April. Go to craftbartendersummit.com to uh, to sign up for free. Stand by for our weekly toast in just a minute. I just want to remind you that our for all things Bartender Journey, get on over to bartenderjourney.net. 
I've got some pictures from the nightclub and bar show that I'll post up there. Our cocktail of the week. Oh, wait, we didn't do a cocktail of the week this week, but <laughs> next week we'll do one. And, uh, but our book of the week will be posted up there and all the things that I talked about. And you can check out the events page if you want to attend events like the nightclub and bar show or Tales of the Cocktail and things like that. I've posted a bunch of them up there. And uh, there's the competitions page, which includes a new contest from Pendleton Midnight Whiskey, uh, Canadian whiskey. It's called the Pendleton Midnight Cocktail Challenge. And uh, there's a bunch of different prizes, and uh, there's some info there about how to enter. I'd love to hear from you for any reason at all. There's a contact page on bartenderjourney.net, or you can email me directly at brian at bartenderjourney.net. All right, time for our toast. And it's uh, St. Patrick's Day coming up, so uh, I got this uh, credit where credit is due. This was from uh, a clip of Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus on his show. So uh, <laughs> that's, where, that's where I found this, and it goes like this. Here's our toast. May all your charms be lucky and your shamrocks be shaked. Cheers. We'll see you next time on Bartender Journey. Franklin D. Roosevelt just nominated Seals Prohibition's Doom with these stirring words. This convention wants repeal. 